We've had a three-lesson series on Christmas. Today is lesson number three of the three. We've talked about Christmas joy. We've talked about Christmas hope. And today we talk about Christmas peace. And we've already kind of introduced the subject, of course, um, uh, Mark sharing in communion about peace and let there be peace on earth and, 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 and such as that. Dave helped us even as he's setting up and introducing the song, It Is Well With My Soul, that we can have peace even when tragic things are happening in our lives. To be honest with you guys, of the three lessons, um, joy or hope or peace, this one's been the most challenging. And you're saying, why has this one been the most challenging? It's because the subject of peace is so big, it's misunderstood, and it can be confusing. Let me, let me confuse you. Let me uh, illustrate this. In, in Isaiah chapter 9, there's a, a messianic prophecy about Jesus of which he is called the Prince of Peace. You've heard that phrase a lot of times. Yo, gee, the Prince of Peace. Of course, we know we've, we've sung songs based upon uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 14 when angels came down when Jesus was born. And what did they basically say? Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And Jesus himself later on would tell his disciples in John chapter 14, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And all of that sounds awesome. Yet Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 10 verse 34, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Huh? And in Luke chapter 12, Jesus said, actually, I have come to bring fire on the earth. That doesn't sound very peaceful. Maybe. I don't think he was talking about a cozy little fireplace. And then in John 16, he just comes down out and says, guys, in this world, you're going to have trouble. In life, in your life, there's going to be trouble. So I asked myself as I was figuring, trying to figure all of this out, how can Jesus be the Prince of Peace and then not come to bring peace? Right? How can Jesus say, my peace I leave with you, and also say, but you're going to have a lot of trouble? You know, how does all of this fit together? What kind of peace are we really talking about when we talk about Christmas peace? There's a scene that happened a while back in, uh, in, in England, and it was uh, this, this, this airplane came in and landed in, in London at the airport, and it was out on the tarmac. It was back in the days where, you know, they didn't have the gates. You had to go out there to the plane. And there was a huge crowd anticipating this flight, wanting to know what has happened. And a guy gets off the plane, and he's waving a piece of paper. And he says, peace, we have peace. He says, you may all go home and sleep quietly in your beds. What a promise. Peace in our day. The promise of rest, the promise of peace. That was September 30th, 1938. It was Neville Chamberlain who was the prime minister of England. He had just come from Berlin and had a peace contract with Adolf Hitler. Basically, they had given Hitler some chunks of Czechoslovakia in a promise for peace. Thank you, brother. Of course, we all know within a year, pretty much all of Europe was enveloped in World War II. In some of the most horrendous times in human or modern human history, and millions and millions lost their lives. 
But it was a great time on the tarmac because everybody wants peace. Everybody's longing for it, so people promise it. In Europe, after Napoleon, things were so horrible, we want peace. And so everybody says, okay, we're going to have peace. So they formed the League of Nations, but that failed miserably. Out of the League of Nations came what we now know as the United Nations. And, of course, the United Nations headquarters is here in the United States. It's in New York. And on the, uh, at the, at the, at the, uh, in front of the building, the United Nations, there's a statue. And we've got a picture here of this statue. And you see the guy, he's got a big hammer, and he's banging on a sword. And there's a quote from the second half of Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. And, again, this is a messianic quote, but it says that they're on that statue on the base of it, it says, And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they left off the first part of the verse, which says, He will judge between the nations and settle disputes for the people. He will judge between the nations. He will settle disputes between the people. See, I think that part of the Messianic prophecy is vital to the fulfillment of the second part. If we try to make peace with the nations, if we try to make peace without the Prince of Peace, it doesn't work. And we've seen it proven time and time again. Real peace involves surrender to the Prince of Peace. He will judge between the nations. But you know, the truth is, is world peace, and of course, we get a lot more news these days, right? With, with, with instant table, cable television and, and then an internet and all of these things, and we find out about everything that happens all over the world when it's happening. And it can really upset us, and one of the upsetting things is, is I can't really affect world peace all that much, to be honest with you. I mean... That's not, I, I, I don't have that kind of yank on the chain to really affect world peace. So what I want to focus on is not necessarily peace on earth, world peace, but peace in our lives. Because that we can, that's us. That's where we live. Because a lack of peace in your life, a lack of peace in my life, can, it can have just as traumatic and devastating results as nation going against nation. I'm talking about a lack of peace and turmoil within families. Husbands, wives, in a marriage, there's just no peace. Or between parents and children of every age, there's no peace. Or maybe turmoil, there's not peace at work, and you know how that can be. It's just stressful. Or relationships, maybe relationships at school, or relationships with friends, or people you thought were for friends. And probably the, the most dangerous, the most challenging to us can be that lack of peace in our own hearts because of past hurts, past disappointments, unresolved conflict. Because no matter where you go, I mean, at work you got trouble, I, at least I can leave work. But if it's in my heart, it, it goes with me everywhere I go. And we all want peace, but we have this thing. So what do we do? Well, we look, for, we look for peace and things that bring peace. We look for a new relationship. 
Maybe a new job, that next job. Or that next uh, toy, electronic gadget or distraction. Maybe the next doctor will bring me peace. The next medication. The next counselor. The next therapy. Let's try something new. But where's the peace? We find ourselves looking for this peace and we're just like Neville Chamberlain waving the piece of paper in the air going, Yeah, peace, peace. Go to home, go to bed, sleep well. And it's a false promise. Because the peace doesn't come. Because... That's really not where we're looking for peace. It's like trying to beat swords into plowshares without the Prince of Peace. And it's peace because we're basically, we're looking for something to do. Now, the, the song that, uh, uh, you know, let there be peace on the earth and let it begin with me. And I understand the sentiment of that song. And certainly I control what I can control. And that's me. Okay, and I need to be peaceful. But the truth is, is a lot of times when we're looking for peace, we're looking for stuff we can control and we're looking to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. And I'm going to make peace in my life and I'm going to find this magic elixir and I'm going to take it and everything's going to go away. And then you, it doesn't happen and we end up with disappointment. You want to find real peace? Would you like to find real peace this morning? Because if you want to find real peace, you're going to have to look to the Prince of Peace. That's what we mean by Christmas peace. It's not a time of year. It's not a Christmas spirit. The only thing that brings Christmas peace is because Christmas represents Jesus coming. The Prince of Peace. He was born to bring peace. And that's why the angel said, peace on earth. It wasn't a blessing or a goodwill. It's now it's come. It's actually there. What kind of peace were the angels promising? They were promising that Jesus would bring the kind of peace that Paul talked about in the book of Colossae. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. Paul was telling the church in Colossae about this very special kind of peace. The kind of peace that comes or that was represented in Jesus. Now in verse 12 it says, Therefore... As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If anyone, and bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Singing uh, to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do... Whether it's in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, there's so many things in here that we're not going to have time to get to, but I want to note a very basic, basic thing in verse 15. It is the peace of Christ. Whose peace do you seek? That's really the question. Because the truth is, everybody can have peace. We can have peace with ISIS today. All we got to do is just give them everything they want, and we'll have peace. 
We can make peace between Russia, Ukraine, or North Korea, or China, or whoever you want to pick on or think about or what, just do whatever they want you to do. Everything will go great. Because sometimes we classify peace as a lack of conflict. And it's only true to a certain point. I mean, we all understand. Maybe we've experienced ourselves. Maybe we're experiencing it right now. You're, you're in a situation and it's at home or it's at work and you've got a very volatile, angry person. It could be, uh, you know, your wife or, or mom or you could be your dad or, or your husband or it could be a boss or it could be somebody. And man, you just gotta, you gotta, just don't say the wrong thing. Keep your mouth shut. Keep the peace. And yeah, it's a lack of conflict, but it's not really peace. Or, or there's, there's unresolved, there's lack of forgiveness, or there's something between someone, so you just avoid them. And there's a, well, there's peace there. Now, I'm keeping the peace. And true, it's a lack of conflict, but it's not real peace, because there's hidden turmoil, and there's hidden conflict. And it just takes one little thing to blow it right up. And we're thinking I'm keeping the peace, but I'm really not keeping the peace. Jesus' peace is real peace. It's a special peace. Matter of fact, in Philippians chapter 4, Paul tells the church in Philippi, as a matter of fact, I'll read this one, he says, in beginning in verse 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, uh, petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. What he says right here is, this special kind of peace we're talking about, it's not an avoid conflict peace. It's not a just make everybody happy and everything will go okay type of peace. It's a peace that transcends understanding. It's, it's, why does it transcend understanding? Because it's there regardless of your circumstances. As Dave mentioned this morning as he was talking about that song. It's a peace that is there regardless of your situation. It's a peace that's based upon God. Not on human logic, not on human reason. It's the peace of Christ. And when I say the peace of Christ, guys, I'm not talking about it's the peace Christ gives you. It's the kind he has. And he says that's the kind of peace you need. That's the kind of peace you want. The way he did it, the type of peace Jesus, his peace was not determined upon his circumstances. His peace was not dependent upon his surroundings and his conditions. His peace was came from within and it was built upon a deep faith and trust and relationship with his father. Now, that's easy to say, and the more and more, like I told you, I, I wrestled with this lesson because it's so cotton-picking deep. I just kept digging deeper and deeper into my own life and self-reflection and examination. Being at peace regardless of your circumstances. Being at peace whether or not this person over here hates me or not whether or not they're against me actively or not, being at peace. Look at what happens with Jesus. John chapter 16, he, it says his type of peace, okay? 
the peace of Christ. What did it look like? Okay, this is what it looked like. John 16, and this is, he's getting ready, man. He's, he's, he's gearing up to go to the cross. He says in verse 32, a time is coming, and its fact has now come, when you will be scattered. He's talking to his best friends, his support system. You will all be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I'm not alone, for my Father is with me. Well, let's stop right here. Jesus, his kind of peace, was not based upon a lack of turmoil. Very difficult times were coming for him. It's not a lack of conflict. There would be great conflict to the point of his death. That's what was coming for him. But in the midst of all of that conflict, not just that, he would lose his entire support system, his buddies, his friends, those who were just there to be there for you. He even asked them, just pray. They couldn't do that. And then they eventually just all ran away. I mean, he, they, we're talking, well, come on. How would you respond in that situation? I just need a friend or two to hang out with me, encourage me. And I'm all for that. Friends are great, okay? It's great to have them. Jesus didn't have that. He told him, you're all going to be running away. You're all going to desert me. He said, yet I'm not alone. He was not alone, he says, because my father is with me. And that was more than enough for him. But for us, oftentimes, that's not near enough, is it? Now, it's great to have close friends and family, okay? I, I'm not against all that, but we often spend far more time working on and relying on that to bring us peace than we do our connection to God. And so when something happens to that, we get all wigged out, and our peace flies out the window. Often our peace is reflected by our fragile sense of what peace really is. Our peace is contingent on our friends or our situation around us. And even when my circumstances are bad, at least I've got friends to support me. But what happens when they're gone? That was the peace Jesus says, look, my kind of peace overcomes all that. Look at the very next verse, verse 33. He goes, I told you these things so that, you, so that in me you may have peace. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> Imagine this. The Lord's talking to you. This is your buddy. To us, he's the Lord, and to them, he was the Lord, but they didn't really even totally understand all of that. This was your friend. You'd been through a lot together. You have ups and downs and people, you know, loving you and both hating you and all types of things. You've been through a lot. For three years, you basically lived together, this group, this band of brothers. And Jesus goes, yeah, I'm going to die and all of you are going to desert me. I've told you this so that you may be at peace. <laughs> what he's telling them is you be at peace is Jesus goes, guys, it's not contingent. Peace is not contingent on all of this. What I'm telling you is, is I'm not alone. The Father is with me. Because I want you to learn that lesson. I want you to learn that concept. It all gets back to our personal, private connection to God and to Jesus. And that's an increasingly rare commodity these days. 
I was listening this week um, to WBGL because it's all Christmas music all the time. And, you know, it's all I got on my FM radio. If I want to hear Christmas music, you got to listen to WBGL. And they had a commercial that talked about their different staff members were writing daily devotionals and putting them on their website. And these, they were going on and on about, and these are great. It'll take you two, three minutes to read a couple of paragraphs. That's all it is. You can be in and out and you can be on your way. Like, that's going to connect me. Now, the politically correct thing to say here is, well, you know what? Sometimes that's all you can do, and that's okay. A little bit is better than none. But this is what I think. To truly experience the peace that Jesus had, to truly experience the connection Jesus had with God, there is no substitute, no shortcut, no way around having a deep and intimate connection with God. And that takes time and sacrifice, prioritizing. That takes work. It's not going to happen with a quickie little, you know, five-minute daily reading. Okay, I'm connected with God now. Might give me a fuzzy, warm feeling for a little while. But to have the peace, the Christmas peace, the, the, Jesus said, the, you know, my peace, I'm trying to give it to you. That's what it takes. And so he goes on. In Col back in Colossians, that, that verse again, in Colossians chapter 3, picking up in verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's the call. That's the challenge. There's a sense of member, uh, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. And then in verse 16 it says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Not quickly. <laughs> Not a little dab here and there. But let the message of Christ dwell in you, be in you richly. I like that. Richly. Like richy rich. Just abundance, opulence of the message of Christ. And he says, let it dwell in you as you teach and admonish one another. That's why we always, you know, we have that saying, if it comes up, look it up. Don't just encourage one another. Don't just say, well, you need to do, give advice, teach, blah, blah. Get in the Word. Look it up. Why? Because it's the message of Christ that brings us peace, not my great advice, not your great advice. We can help point one another to Jesus, but the message of Christ, that's the peace of Christmas. And it's not a gift like, okay, we're all going to get gifts prayerfully uh, in a few weeks. <laughs> Hope so. Yeah, I got a rock. Yeah, that's true. No, you get a gift and you open it and it's yours. Okay, I got this gift. It's mine. That's not what the peace of Christmas is all about. God just all of a sudden goes, boom, you've got it and it's yours now. The true piece of Christmas, the, what the angels sang about, is God providing us an opportunity to have a relationship with Him. And because of that, you can have the peace that transcends understanding, that transcends what the world calls peace. It's that same peace that Jesus had with God, that in spite of of the fact that he knew all my friends are going to desert me. He knew that the people I'm here to save are going to actually kill me. 
in spite of the fact that they took his message of love and turned it into a message of hate and completely misrepresented him, he was at peace. In spite of the fact that his whole world was falling apart, he was at peace. That's the kind of peace that God says you've got the opportunity to have. But we got to take it. We got to grab it. We got to open the gift. What good is it a gift? I got you a gift. Where is it? Well, I got to get it to you. Well, don't do me no good until I get it, right? <laughs> you can get somebody a gift, and they can refuse to open it. I know people that have sent things to other people. They send it back. Nope, don't want your gift. The gift is there. So don't convince yourself you've got the gift if you've never opened it. The peace of Christ is there, and it does involve that deep relationship with God. And, and, and Paul told the church in Colossae, that happens by letting the message of Jesus dwell richly in your life, getting into it. That's why we call people all the time, get in the Bible, get in the Bible, open up your Bible. It's all about understanding your life in light of the Word of God. That's why we love study the Bible with people. Get into the Word. Figure it out as we teach, as we admonish one another. That's why we call people, get in a Bible study. That's why we have the cards. I want to study the Bible. That's why we have the cards in the pews. Very simple. My name, my email address, help me. People want to help. Why? Because that's where the peace is. Because the peace isn't in your circumstances because you know what? In this world, you will have troubles. That's what Jesus said. But I've overcome the world. He didn't say, I fixed the world and took all the trouble out of it. He just said, I've just got something better than the world. I've got something more powerful. Understand the peace that comes from that. The peace that Jesus had. Learning from him. That's the peace that God makes available to us. That's the Christmas peace that I pray all of us will come to experience and have in our life, the peace that God makes available to us. Focus on Jesus and having his kind of peace by having his relationship with God. Amen. Thank you very much.